Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello, and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today, I'm joined by Ryan Fahey. He has a lot going on, so I'm going to leave it to him and tell you a little bit more about himself. So thank you for joining us, Ryan, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yes, hi, Patricia. Thanks for having me, and for those that are listening in, I hope your day is going well. Uh, yeah, so my name is Ryan Foy. Um, I'm from Eastern Canada, currently uh, chiming in here from a small island called Prince Edward Island. A little bit about my business, uh, just the Coles notes, I guess, is I kind of live, work, and play at the intersection of uh, wellness education uh, as well as uh, social media consulting um, and a little bit of kind of life coaching as well, depending on uh, where things are at. So I kind of offer those three different things. My business is called Foy Consulting. Uh, it's a remote business. Have clients uh, currently all over the world in uh, New York, which I know is where our podcast was from uh, as well. But um, but yeah, it's great. Like I say, I've been at it uh, now for about uh, four years in my business formally, but before that, always had the side hustles going, and, and we can chat more about that in a bit. But uh, yeah, it's uh, been a lot of learning, especially going through the pandemic, a lot of pivots, uh, a lot of lessons, and uh, excited to share some with the listeners today. Nice. I have jack of all trades. <laughs> so can you, can you start by telling us a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to write your first book? Yeah, so I'll go back to 2009. And I had this blog and it was called Wellness Network Blog. And if uh, if you can remember the days of Blogspot, <laughs> yeah. it was, yeah, it was the Blogspot platform. And uh, I can tell you right now, the blog was not good. Uh, <laughs> Um, but it was, it was a start, right? I, I was really starting, uh, as a writer, I was really passionate about writing. Um, and I was passionate about just the creativity involved in, in blogging at the time. I kept that blog going probably until 2014 or so. And then I, I felt like I was kind of changing as a writer. I was, I, I maybe outgrew the blog, but I was also, uh, getting, you know, requests to do writing specific articles for specific reasons. I remember thinking, you know, I started this blog as a hobby and I was kind of turning away from a hobby into something else, which is great, but it's not the original intent of that blog. So I retired it and I started writing on a platform called Medium, which is a tremendous uh, platform for freelance writers. And uh, I wrote for the largest publication on there uh, in 2017, 2018 called The Startup. And um, yeah, I just really loved it. Uh, my, my writing kind of evolved and continued to go and from there, I think I finally had the courage to put it together into a book. And uh, so it was 2018, I wrote my first book. And then shortly after, it came out in 2019 with my next one. And just try to learn, you know, through, through each of those processes, um, how, to do, how to do that better, um, how to write a better book, um, how to take feedback, and um, how to also, you know, potentially in the future, make that easier for other writers out there, which is something that I do a little bit now uh, as well. Um, and then my recent book came out in 2020, 2021, 
obviously at the height of the pandemic as a way to support remote workers and their well-being everywhere. So it's been a great journey. The well-being thread and the personal growth thread has been kind of been weaved throughout my writing journey over the last uh, number of years. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun and it's great to uh, to really put yourself out there and, and to add, add value to the world. Right. I mean, it's awesome because you're speaking from personal experience, which is great. You know, like it's not a cookie cutter approach. You know, you're kind of speaking from where you're from and that's great. Now, how has your background in consulting informed the way you approach well-being and personal development? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I honestly, I think um, I would actually flip that a little bit. Like I think it, my my pursuit of personal development uh, really since I was a teen, a teenager, early, early teenager, and my my passion for well-being, which comes from my childhood, and I can share a little bit about that, but um, that's really driven my business. Um, you know, I there there's so many things you could do out there as entrepreneurs, right? And I know we're probably going to talk about that in a bit, but um, when I was you know thinking about creating my business, Foy Consulting, I was like, how do I align my passion and my profession? I'm really passionate about this concept of well-being, and it's kind of been a thread through my writing. It's been a thread through my life been a big part of who I am day to day how do I you know make that into something and that's really what how my business form was kind of out of that that uh, thinking and then on the personal development side just taking all these concepts and things I've learned over the years and applying them right and you know whether you're an athlete whether you're a business owner whether you're you know a world leader there, there's so much you can draw on your experiences when you invest in your personal growth journey and I was really grateful from a young age to really invest in that um and so it comes out in, in my consulting and what I do now when I'm coaching other folks and, and supporting them uh, on their journey. Um, uh, those, those things that I've learned along the way really, really come out and, and make me a better, better um, uh, business owner in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it's great because one, you're following your passion, which is great because if you're doing something that's, you know, if I'm into healthcare, but I'm working for an accountant. It was kind of like boring, you didn't say that, but you're doing something that you truly believe in and love. So that's awesome. And like you say, you know, um, you know, caring for one another, that is something that's universal. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. just for athletes, just for all, it could be anybody. So that, that's actually really, really good. So now in your experience, what are some common misconceptions people have about achieving success and how can they overcome them? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think this is actually a part of the topic of my next book, Patricia. So this is a very <laughs> timely conversation, a great question. Um, I, I do feel like we live at a time where, where folks want that instantaneous success. And I think maybe that's always been there bubbling under the surface. But with social media, it's really brought that to the forefront. You see on Twitter, um, you know, somebody becomes a, an overnight expert, it seems like. And, <laughs> you know, and then you start to dive into that. You start to read more and, you you you, you know... There's some incredible authors out there in the space that have really kind of established like you need, you know, compound compounding interest needs to happen over time. Uh, you know, the compound effect. Um, you know, you talk about things like habits over time and just, you know, being consistent with whatever it is you're doing over time creates those results. And I think that um, one thing that I've seen is that folks want that instantaneous success, but you often got to kind of sharpen the ax for a long time. And, uh, that's again something I'm, I'm going to write about extensively in this next book. Is I, I work a lot in schools uh, as well, and what I see with, in schools is that you know when I'm going in and trying to inspire and empower students to 
you know, create their own journey, uh, take on their own entrepreneur, entrepreneur pursuits is, you know, they want to be a YouTube star. They want to be a gamer. They want to, you know, make money like their famous, uh, influencer does on, on YouTube. And that's great. Um, but you know, those, those chances of success are very, very small. And how do you work up to that? You know, even, uh, yeah, some of the biggest influencers in the world, they didn't just get there overnight. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because I go through that even in my industry. It's one of my biggest pet peeves is that people don't understand it's a process. Like even with marketing, I would get, you know, clients that come on board and they say, well, I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine. Okay, but they want that like next week. It doesn't happen that way. I mean, unfortunately, nowadays you can, you just pay for it. But and normally it's a process. You know, you have to build that momentum, build the, you know, reputation. But, you know, everybody, it, I always just say instant gratification. That's what everybody wants. And it's like, you know, you're you're 100% right. And people, like you say, with the internet, it just, people don't realize, like, look at even Oprah Winfrey. She didn't start out being a celebrity. She was actually fired from her first job because they said she wasn't suitable for TV. Look at her now. I mean, this was a lot of hard work and dedication and persistence. And, you know, people have to learn that you sit, you know, pave the way, you put in the effort, you reap the rewards. That's just life, you know? (laughs) But unfortunately, not everybody lives in the same world we live in, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. There's another really good author I follow, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who writes a lot about this too. But like looking at your time horizons and shifting those time horizons, and I think when you're able to do that, and you're able to measure your time differently. You can have those years and years and years of adding value and achieving that success, but you got to look for it. You got to measure it. You got to you know have your have your kind of barometer set right. Yeah, and even yeah. little successes compared mm-hmm. to what you had before. That's a huge success that somebody's probably working 10 years to get, but you got it, but it didn't happen overnight. You know, with people, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah. That's all. It should work often intertwines leadership and well-being. So how do you think leaders can cultivate a culture of wellness within their organizations? Yeah, I think this this was something that we we saw kind of play out in real time during the pandemic as, we, as we've now come out of it. Um, is organizations literally adjusting on the fly um, to the, the ongoing challenges, the ongoing needs, the the issues that bubble up in society? One of the things that one of the things that I think when you're when you're really looking at it from a well-being lens and cultivating a, a, a lens of, of wellness and well-being, I think it's a matter of just listening to your team, listening to your staff. Uh, what do they need? And that's one thing that we've been very intentional on. And, in, in my other job as well is uh, we're people first organization. So if we need to work remote, we need to uh, move because family dynamics have changed. I was thinking, just uh, mentioning there that I think, um, yeah, I think when you're looking at it from the lens of kind of well-being that um, listening to staff, uh, listening to their needs, being a human for, first or people first organization um, I think we live in an incredible time of technology, but we have to remember that people are often behind the technology and you know, we're going to make mistakes. We are human. We need our growth to be nurtured, right? We need, um, we need safe spaces for individuals. We need to be emotionally safe, uh, as well as physically and mentally safe and all of that. So I think that, yeah, just listening to staff, creating, creating policies kind of by, by looking at really well done policies, you know, like when I'll give you an example, when COVID first came out, um, and of course, everybody went remote and this was the topic of my last book. And I remember there was quite a lag, like there usually is between the policy coming into play and, you know, going through this social experiment for a while. And I think it was France and Portugal 
were the very they were the first two places that really came out with the uh, the right to disconnect. And it was basically like if you're working remotely and it's after 7 p.m. or before 7 a.m., you do not need to be on, like you're actually mandated to be away from work. And then that permeated, that kind of went out across multiple countries. It came into Canada. I'm sure it came into parts of the United States. But this is just a good example of, you know, this was all happening in real time. You're listening to how do we nurture the well-being of this new global workforce that's now behind screens and um, maybe socializing less and things like that. And how do we make sure that we're sustaining that? That was, that was a, a big a big example that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, that is awesome because so many, you know, going back again, I don't want to age myself, but going back to when I like first started, you know, whether you had 16 hours of work to do or not, it was almost looked on as if you weren't in that office for 16 hours, you're a slacker. You know, so people were there that, you know, I worked in a company where nobody was married, nobody had kids. I mean, who, who had the time? You were just constantly working, but it was looked on as if you were a hard worker. And as time evolved, like I remember having a, um, you know, a, a manager who was just really, he understood we were people. Like he would have fun stuff in the office. He even had like breakout rooms with like a little miniature golf. Go de-stress, knock yourself out. Like we don't need you here stressed because you're more productive when you release. And they'd have like get together. Let's go out for drinks after work or something. And people little by little started to realize that, you know, making this powerhouse of just working constant, constant, constant. What are you gaining from that? You know, because you're stressed out, the work shows, you know, so it is good. And I, I'm glad that people are now starting to see that. I think we still have a long way to go, but it's it's a good start. You know, if, if anything that came out of COVID, that was it. <laughs> oh, I agree 100%. Um, there's a really good individual. His name is Jeff Dolan out of Wilmington, North Carolina, who talks a lot about that as well. Um, he maybe he's a future guest for your show. But, um, yeah, we've been in connecting about this uh, quite a bit because he's going to be contributing to my next book as well. But just a really, really good look on that. You know, we live in a different time where – we have to preserve thought, right? We have to preserve the bandwidth. And how do we do that, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if anything, people realize stress, you know, that's like number one killer. You know, I mean, it's just people, it's not necessary. You know, you really don't, mm -hmm. you know, especially nowadays, it just seems everybody wants to work less. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, there you got to be happy medium in there somewhere. But, you know, really yeah. not stressing and taking a step back. Like, I, I like how some places encourage personal time, go with the family, you know, share that. And even with, like, say, social media. Years ago, it was like business, business. And now they're saying, be a little more personal. Show pictures of your kids. Tell us what you, you know, they want you to be human, you know. So we're getting there slowly but surely. <laughs> now, can you share one or two key insights from your latest book that you feel are crucial for personal development? Yeah, absolutely. And this just feeds on this conversation because one of the things that I talk about in my last book is there's a big difference between communication and connection. And over the last few years, we've seen a ton of communication right? Uh, public health communication, political communication, you name it, right? Um, but in our organizations and in our day-to-day, -day, uh, there's a huge difference. And, and spotting that and being aware of that as leaders is really, really critical. Um, so one thing I've seen done really well, with, uh, which is great, is, you know, we may have a team call where we literally just connect. There's no agenda, it's just what you do on the weekend, um, you know, what, what's new in your life, show, show pictures of your dog. And similar to what you were just talking about, Patricia, and I think that, you know, we're very, very intentional about making space for that. I know it's not productive time, quote unquote, but it's it's rem reminding ourselves that we're all human and reminding ourselves that uh, we're all coming with different things each day to, to work. But that's one thing I talk about 
in the book is, is organizations big and small, you know, how, how do we make sure we're, we're, we're connecting with people and not just communicating with people. And I think that that's probably one of the big pieces. I, I think that it comes out in my, my other book. Uh, there's more, but uh, we can save that for, for another time. And when you say it's not uh, productive talk, in a way it is, though, because I remember um, doing some articles, too, where if I just worked for a company who, you know, I worked for companies for years, they knew nothing about me. It was kind of like I was the only one in the company who had kids. And it's like I had to get, I was a single mom, get them up, get them ready, walk 10 bucks of rain. You know, by the time I got to work, I felt like I had a full day and I hadn't even started. They have no clue. No one ever asked me, you know. But now, um, if I'm at a place where they just, how are you? You know, and really, you want to get to know me. I'm not saying we have to have a two-hour conversation, but something like you said, just have a group call. What did you do this weekend? That makes me feel valued. And I'm going to be 100% more productive because I feel like what I'm doing matters to you, as opposed to I'm just a checkbox and someone who gets a paycheck. But, you know, for you, you know, that's what everybody always says. You work hard for somebody else. You know, but here, you make it feel like we're part of a team. You care about one another. That's going to make people a lot more so might not be productive per se, but <laughs> productive at the end. So now tell us as a professional speaker, what's one message or piece of advice you consistently share that seems to resonate with, with most audiences? Yeah, that's a really good question too, Patricia. I recently actually just delivered a keynote with some younger students and I wasn't sure how this message resonated compared to older adults and, 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 and folks like that, but this was something that came out that was really interesting. And one of the things I talk about in my second book uh, is this idea of that your legacy should always be greater than your resume. And, you know, we go through our education system based on merit, right? You do these things, you achieve this mark, therefore you get this grade and you get these things. And then we translate that into the workforce, right? You work hard, you get that promotion. And, and that's great, right? These are, these things are, are good, right? We need to have some of these things in place um, for, for different reasons. Um, but one of the things I challenge audiences to think about quite often is, is this notion of, you know, are we the topic of positive conversation around multiple dinner tables when we leave? And when we, we expand our time horizon and we, we, you know, we zoom out from the resume bullets and we think about the legacy we're leaving, what is that legacy? You know, do people want to, people want to spend time with us? Do they not want to spend time with us? Do they, they want, do we, are we going to be remembered in a good light? And, you know, it's funny even sharing this message with younger students. I didn't know if they would get it, you know, because they're probably thinking about what are they going to do for lunch, Um, but they got it, you know, they really got it. And they, they were really, um, you could tell that. They thought, you know, I spent all this time as student leaders trying to build my resume to get that first job, and I wasn't even thinking about this. Right. And so I kind of gave some some real life examples of, of ways I've done that and thought about right. that differently, and how it served me now in the middle of my career. And I think that that's just something really powerful that, that we could probably think more about: is mm-hmm. what legacy are we leaving? What are we leaving behind? And is that a positive legacy, or is it a legacy that we got to run from because right. it hasn't been good? No, that's true because, like you say, I mean, we were all taught. I mean, I was Catholic school from pre-K to high school, work, 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 get a job, you know, go to school, get a job, you know, and and that's just what you're supposed to do. And, you know, I have a job, but I hate what I do. It's not even something that I like, so I can, you know, so teaching people to value what you do. And it's not just about having a job. It's like, what can you do? And I think I had this, I did a social media post one time asking people about their legacy. 
And that's the funny part with everybody having a voice now. I got the younger generation like chopping my head off on this post. Like, oh, what's a legacy? And I'm just kind of like, obviously you've never thought about it, but you know, these yeah. are things that you should think about and getting people yeah. and kind of tapping them on the shoulder and showing them examples is pretty important because that could save them 15 years of doing something they hate to doing something that they're passionate about and leaving a positive impact, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a key thing is that people are always watching as leaders. Yeah. They're always watching every action, every behavior. And so, you know, I've met people who are cleaning schools who are just, you know, they're so focused on the details and you can tell, right? Like they put everything they got into that job and they may not love it, right? But they're, they know that like, okay, if I do this really, really well, maybe it makes an impact. Doesn't necessarily mean need to be a monitored raise. But it's, hey, you know, when, when this person was working in this facility, it was really, really pristine. That's a legacy, right? And right. so when we think about these things, it's like every job is significant. Everything we do is significant. Right. Um, and all leaders at some point started out, you know, doing some work that's probably not that glorious, right? And yeah. so how do we, you know, make sure that we're being very intentional with our legacy along the way? Nice. Yeah, pointing that out to people is, is huge. Yeah. So now what challenges did you face when starting a business fee consulting and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I would say my biggest challenge, um, uh, Patricia was not doing everything. I, 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 most entrepreneurs fall into this trap. I was one. Uh, so I have some lived experience here with this, but yeah, like when I first launched boy consulting, I think I had five different services I was offering. I mean, I, now I only have three, but three still a lot, but you know, I should probably trim that down. But right. yeah, I was doing like these five things. I was launching this other thing on the side and it was kind of all under the umbrella of FOI consulting and I was just getting overrun. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of a mentorship program where another entrepreneur who had 10 or plus years in the industry had multiple businesses that mentored me and she was incredible. And she, you know, she was very, very direct with me and she's like, you know, you need to uh, get rid of these things and you need to focus on these things. And she took me through a very kind of thorough um, coaching process. And really, yeah, I was really lucky to have that because I would probably still be off running in 15 different directions if it wasn't for that kind of intervention, I guess. But um, yeah, I think for other entrepreneurs out there and businesses out there, especially in the early days, it's very tempting to do everything. And, you know, we, we want to kind of, have multiple commodities and things that we can add on to uh, existing products, but um, you know, sticking to your core values, sticking to what what it is that you can bring is is probably going to suit you the best in the long run. And I've definitely seen that. Yeah, like you say, getting I always tell people find a mentor because it's so invaluable. I mean, because especially for an entrepreneur, you're just starting out. Having someone, you know, and that I know in the world of everybody, nobody does nothing for nothing. But having a mentor who, like the person who runs this channel, is a phenomenal mentor. I love people who just want to help and they don't have their hands out. There's no hidden agenda. They want to help you. And you can learn so much from them. And they're out there. You know, but some people always were like, oh, I don't want to say that I don't know what I'm doing. And you're going to get left behind. Follow the leaders. Talk to people who've been there, done that, and learn from them. You know, it's invaluable. Like you learn. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing you do. <laughs> but, you know, live and learn. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I've learned as well, too, just in my own evolution, 
is that maybe I'm going to become a serial entrepreneur. And that's something I just never thought about before. I'm like, oh, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're doing like one thing, right? And, you know, Apple does one thing really good or, you know, they have one industry really, really good. But I've also really learned that I love other industries, right? Like I love the writing industry. So I've started my own publication, which is going to become its own kind of business, right? So it's like, okay, to have one business, it's tight, right? And, right. and you know, it's very... um very focused and then you can go and you can launch another one. And so I think along those lines of mentorship, I recently read a really good book from a business leader in, in Atlanta, Canada, which is where I'm from. And, and he really talked about that. And that really kind of spawned that in me as well, that maybe I'll, I'll end up going down that route, which is great too. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it is cool. I mean, look at Elon Musk. I mean, he's on Twitter, he's building rockets, and he's doing carving. So it's not, you know, but it's kind of like, you know, you dabble in what, what you like to do. And sometimes, you know, I mean, you don't just like vanilla ice cream, maybe you like this, you know, so it, you just branch out. And like you say, just baby steps, you know, and get mentors. And you never know, you might get partners involved in a lot of things, you know, but you're doing what you love to do and making an impact. Yeah, and absolutely. So now, what advice do you have for aspiring and I can't speak today for aspiring entrepreneurs? For aspiring entrepreneurs, yeah, Ooh, I would <laughs> say, you know, don't don't get stuck in the how. And I know Tony Robbins is big on this when he's doing kind of life interventions. Is we get stuck in how? How am I going to make this change? Uh, I think the same thing applies to, to entrepreneurs that. You know, it's so easy to get stuck. Like our brains go right to the how. So, okay, you want to create a brewery. Well, then you go right into the how. Well, I need to go through this. And you, so getting stuck in the how is, is where a lot of people fall off, right? Because then all of a sudden this passion becomes work and the work is not fun work, right? If you just like selling and creating a product, but you don't like all the other pieces, it can be very, very challenging, right? So, just uh, it doesn't have to be perfect is probably another another thing, but definitely, you know, not getting stuck in the how. I remember when I launched my first book, it was a disaster. Uh, you know, it didn't, didn't go really, really well. I had delays on Amazon. Amazon emailed me and they're like, uh, if you make one more mistake or you take more time from us, we're probably going to tell you to go home. Wow. Um, in, in a very nice way. So I was like, okay, I got to learn how to do this right. So you know, I had to really coach myself and do my research and figure it out. And now, you know, it's, it's super easy. Right. And, and I've, I've been able to figure that out, but yeah, I think, you know, just progress over perfection is, is important and just, just to get an idea, just, just take it, run with it. And, and the how will, will eventually come and uh, you'll figure it out as you go. Yeah. And it's funny nowadays, there's nothing you can't find on the internet. So if you struggle with how do I do this? Again, there's probably a YouTube video that will talk you through it anyway. So I always yeah. say to people, the people who know how to do it all, like you should be doing those videos because <laughs> people want to know. Nice. Absolutely. Now, with the constant evolution and advance in the business environment, how can leaders stay adaptable while ensuring they don't lose sight of their core values? Yeah, there's a really good book by Bob Eager. Uh, who's the CEO of Disney. Uh, he actually just came back to Disney out of retirement, which I think was a wow. good decision <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for Disney. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he starts his book by talking about the core values that drove his, I think he was at Disney for 10 years prior to now coming back. So, you know, quite a, quite a good stint there as, as CEO. Um, but, you know, he was really good in that book. If you're curious to unpack, you know, how do you, kind of guide boards and guide 
a massive business like Disney um, on core values. He does that really, really well in his book and it's called the ride of a lifetime. So definitely check that out. But one thing that I will say just in my experience and as an entrepreneur um, is that, you know, trends, trends pop up all the time, right? It was, I've seen this over the last number of years. I've seen it with clients I've worked with. They're like, Oh, you know, now we need to do this because this is the trend. And I, I zoom out with them and say, okay, but like, if we look beyond the trend, you know, what are you, what is it that you're doing and how is it that you're adding value to the market? Because over time, adding value to the market is what lasts. You know, the oldest businesses in the world exist because of that. They find ways to innovate, to create, and continue to add value to the market. Right. Things we buy, things we read, all of that, right? And so regardless of the trends, I think it's important to be aware of the trends, especially mm-hmm. in consumer behavior and things like that. But at the end of the day, what is the value you're adding and, and being consistent over time with that right. and, and showing up over time with that, I think wins, wins in a long game for sure. Yeah, for sure. Great advice. I mean, cause even just thinking, you know, sneakers, I mean, you can have the latest trending sneakers, poor quality, doesn't last blah, blah, blah. So if you're not giving something of value, people are going to forget you the minute they bought it, you know, but it is true. People, you know, will follow trending is cool, but you really value is the most important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, can you share a personal story or experience that significantly shaped your perspective on leadership and success? Yeah, for sure. So this was this takes us back to 2012, and I had the 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 real honor of going to a what was called a student leadership camp in uh, rural Ontario, Canada. And you know, I think I was like early 20s at the time, and. Um, I hadn't traveled that much at that point. I might even been like, yeah, really early 20s, maybe 21. And, um, and I had, you know, I, I, I grew up in a small town where I really became a leader, uh, in my school community and then went to a small university, became a leader there. Um, but then to go out and, and be at this national event with other student leaders from across uh, Canada and the United States, uh, was huge for me. And there was an event that we were part of. There was an activity where it was called Infinity Knot. And basically there's this like knot that's on this post and you walk up to it and you're like, okay, well, what's this obstacle? I got it. You know, what, what are we doing here? And you're in your team. And so you got people from all over Canada and this team with you and you're at like day one of this camp. And so the goal is to, you, you know, you have to get the knot undone (laughs) and you have a certain amount of time to do that. And so you see all the leadership styles pop out, right? Like, uh, the, 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 the leader to the front of the pack gets right in there. Right. right? They start to yeah, just undo the knot. And then you have the other leaders that are like coaching and they're like right there in it. You have the other one that's sitting there reading the instructions, Ooh. right? Just one more time just to make sure that, you know, everything is correct or there's no loophole. And so you really saw it. And I was more of the observer at that point. And I remember standing back and I was problem solving in my head. I was thinking, okay, what is it the group's not seeing? What is it they're not thinking about? Because we just jumped into this challenge without really taking time to connect as a group and figure out how we're going to solve this. And it took me about a minute or so thinking about this. And then I came out with the idea that ended up solving the activity. And it was a moment in time where I thought, you know, there's so many different types of leadership out there. There's your charismatic out front leaders, like I just mentioned. (laughs) Then there's those leaders that are at the back, but are thinking and they're problem solving and they're strategizing. And it's okay to not always be one or the other. It's okay to be a different type of leader. 
And that really took me on this journey after that to really uncovering and thinking about what is what kind of leadership style do I have and yeah. is, you know, being okay with that, being okay with maybe sometimes being a bit more quiet, but being strong as well. And right. I think that that's, that's important. And so that was a real defining moment for me. And, and I still think about that quite a bit. Nice. <laughs> it is true though. I mean, I just remember people that I've worked with through the years and you had some, you know, told you what to do, when to do, and that was it. And then I had people, like you say, that were quiet that behind the scenes that you don't realize they're watching everything. And they're, you know, so they're all different people. It takes all kinds, but yeah, everybody has to know what their specialty is. Nice. Now, yeah. I guess what's next for you and Fahey Consulting? Are there any upcoming projects or books that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's next? Um, my goal is to double my the, the size of Foy Consulting this year. Uh, so far, so good. Um, and then I'm hoping to launch another business as well, like I was talking about with uh, my writing um, online and with a publication, which is going well. Uh, and then a book. So I have my fourth book coming out in uh, the late fall of 2023. So uh, that one's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, it's a little early yet to share exactly what it will be. Um, but the idea is that it, it'll be on this thread of um, kind of how do we, you know, there's so many different options out there for us right now in society with technology. Uh, how do we know what we want to be and how do we then go in that direction and figure that out? So yeah. it'll be a little bit of like a John C. Maxwell meets uh, maybe like a Tony Robbins or Robin Sharma, but uh, it'll be, yeah, my own kind of unique style and I'm really excited to get it out and I'll definitely share it with uh, with you when it's out. Nice. And these are all, will all be found on Amazon? Yes, absolutely. So okay. they'll be up uh, on Amazon globally, and then I'll have it up on my website as well. Nice. I'll include all that. Anything else you want to add on what you're working on or anything new or anything? Um, you know, it's interesting what we talked about earlier about, you know, creating that work-life balance and taking care of your wellness. Uh, I'm actually, you know, every year I take one month off in the summer just to reflect and nice. really looking forward. I know um, depending on where listeners are at in the world, depending on their weather patterns and vacation patterns, I'd encourage you to do that. You know, it's one thing I've been very grateful to do is just uh, take some time to take stock and, and reevaluate and figure out, you know, what's what's working, what's not working and go from there. And I'm originally an educator by trade and educators reflect all the time. So that's probably where I get it from. But uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we often don't celebrate that as much. And, and I think I'm really excited to celebrate just taking that time to be present with my family and reflect and, and 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 grow the business from there down the road it is true i mean sometimes even just walking outside like my husband was doing something before and i'm trying to help him and i'm hearing all the birds in the trees and i'm just you know it's just so calming to just i'm like they're having a whole conversation you know anything you know seeing the sun seeing the leaves change i mean the flowers blooming you can always find just a moment to regroup you know so if you can afford the time off to regroup you know it's just such a mental mental necessity really you know because the sport work 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 you just explode you need to take some time off and just regroup and you know enjoy your surroundings awesome nice yeah absolutely so now how can people get a hold of you yeah so definitely uh i should say my name phonetically looks like fahey okay. uh so it's uh it's foy consulting but it's spelled f-a-h-e-y consulting.org so you can definitely check out my website there and see, uh, see this podcast will be up there. Um, yeah, so people can check out check it out there. If you're on Amazon as well, looking for some books, you can just Google 
uh, Ryan Foy on Amazon and you can find all my books there as well. So definitely check that out. And then on social media, I don't know what's going on with Twitter, but I'm still there. <laughs> so if anybody's still on Twitter and they want to follow me on there, it's just at wellness RF. So we can connect on Twitter as well. Nice. And thank you for correcting me. I'm sorry I was saying the same thing, Fagin. Right? Yeah, it depends on where you're at. Like if you're in New England, <laughs> like Boston, they say Fahey, but okay. up here, some somehow over the years, it's felt the same, but it's changed to Foy. I don't know. So <laughs> either one's fine, but just for folks listening in phonetically, it, it looks like Fahey. So. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Ryan Foy of Foy Consulting. So thanks again for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. And never, never miss an episode by subscribing. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.